I have found that if you, you know, if you change your thought about, you change your perspective, you change the thought, you change what you're saying to yourself, it can help you change your feeling. So, you know, I'll allow myself to indulge for a little bit and then it's like, move on, change your thought and go. Sure. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Lead.exe. I'm Brian Kummer Ford, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Nick and John, and our special guest today, Teresa Harp. Thanks for joining us, Teresa. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great. So we're really excited to talk to Teresa today. I'm going to quickly run down her bio, and you can tell me if I if I botched this, Teresa. So this is the test to see how well I, uh, I did my research. But uh, Teresa is a speech-language pathologist, um, small business owner, a life coach, uh, and the host of the Time Tamers podcast, which is thoroughly awesome. Um, and to boot, she's a mother of four children under the age of five, uh, spouse to a military husband. And if I remember correctly, they have a big, goofy golden doodle. Uh, that has his own Instagram account. <laughs> it keeps the folks keeps the folks smiling. So uh, I don't think I got any of that wrong. But uh, did I did I miss anything, Teresa? Is there anything you'd like to add? Yeah, technically they are uh, four kids that are six and under now. But uh, oh, other than okay. that, you did you did well, which is good since we are related, cool. as you said, related by marriage. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So I'll have to update my notebook. Yes. Uh, great. So. I'm particularly excited to have you as a guest because anybody that's listened to our show before knows I have these like leadership pillars that I probably, that everybody's probably tired of hearing about. Um, but they're reduce noise, increase clarity, build trust. And the ultimate one is save people time. So I think that ties really perfectly into this work that you've been doing uh, on the Time Tamers podcast and in your coaching about how the heck you just managed to do all those things uh, that we listed in, in your bio while, while staying sane and being effective. Um, so maybe we can start with just how did you get into doing this time tamer stuff? Yeah, sure. So I, um, I, like you said, I was a, a speech pathologist and I still technically am. I'm licensed and I practice on a very small scale, but when I was before when before I started having kids, I wanted to build my private practice. So I set that up and I kind of established it knowing that I was going to start a family at some point. So I had that in mind, but, um, you know, as the practice grew, that's when I started to have kids and things got kind of chaotic. Um, I had, four kids in four years. And um, I always felt like I was either doing really well at home or I was doing really well at work, but I couldn't ever seem to be doing really well at both. And I didn't like feeling that way. So that's how I started to get more interested in time management strategies and being really intentional with my time and figuring out, you know, different hacks and different systems and things like that so that I could have what I felt was like more control over both areas of my life. Uh, and then it just sort of built from there. I think with COVID, when COVID happened, it caused a lot of us, right, to rethink our priorities and 
you know, our vision. So that's when I really got serious about looking about how, about how I could help other people manage their time, particularly busy moms. Cause I know many busy moms. I know many moms and they are all busy. Uh, so I wanted to figure out how I could help other people do the same thing. Interesting. So I will tell you that I just have one child under the age of six and it's, it's enough chaos for, I don't know if you can hear it in the background, but she's playing upstairs right now. So, but I've turned down my mic, but yeah, one kid's plenty of chaos. And I know uh, Nick and Brian have, uh, have, a couple of kids themselves. So um, what do you think to you is, is I was, when, when somebody starts a small business, I like to think in terms of, you know, what problem are you trying to solve? Um, so you mentioned kind of this chaos balancing work between personal, but if you had to boil it down to a, a problem you're solving, what is that for most of your clients? Do you think? I think most of my clients would say I'm solving the problem of time of that feeling of there's not enough time. Um, but what I've noticed is that once we start working together as a coach, I, we wind up working a lot more on mind management than time management and really helping clients to think about and to identify what are the underlying thoughts or beliefs that they have that determine how they spend their time. Because what I, what I learned pretty quickly when I started coaching was I went in and I thought, Oh, I've got great time management strategies. I can, you know, I can make all these suggestions and recommendations and I can help them identify, you know, changes that they could make. But at the end of the day, they were not going to be actually making those changes if they didn't truly believe that this would be a good investment of their time, that, you know, it was okay to spend time on themselves. It was okay to spend time out with, you know, other friends. It was okay to spend time working in or on their business and not, you know, being with their child every minute of every day. So it was a lot more about mind management and not just time management. Sounds like there's a big emotional aspect to this for, for people and, uh, listening to a few of your podcasts, you know, a recent one about procrastination that I thought was particularly good. Um, you know, one of those, those ideas of, of kind of giving yourself permission and, and settling with the emotions that you're feeling when you're, when you're going into any pick a task, you know, that might, maybe you're holding off on. I think that's a feeling we're all familiar with probably. <laughs> yeah. It, a lot of times it's about not wanting to feel a certain emotion, right? Like just wanting to avoid that feeling of, maybe guilt or a feeling of if something is, is confusing or challenging and you feel like you're not good at it, you feel unsuccessful. So, you know, a lot of times we make decisions about how we spend our time because we want to avoid a feeling. And so just helping people to become more aware of what those feelings are and then what are the thoughts that are creating those feelings. And by looking at those things, that then can help you decide how you truly do want to spend your time. Because honestly, that was kind of the biggest reason why I started this was I, I didn't want to look back like when my kids are this young. I didn't want to look back and feel like I wasted this time focusing on the wrong things or being too overwhelmed, being too stressed. Uh, and not being able to really enjoy it. Now, I know we don't enjoy all of it. And that would be just, you know, I'd be really romanticizing a lot of things there. I know that's not reality. But I also know that there are so many people, um, including myself, who are just incredibly stressed and overwhelmed. 
And you can't get these, this, these years back with your kids. They're only little for so long. So I wanted to be really, really intentional about how I was spending my time, but also about how I was thinking about my time. Because to me, those things just go hand in hand. Jerry, guys, jump in. I feel like I'm asking a lot of questions here, but this is such an interesting topic to me. So is there, you know, you mentioned those things go hand in hand. Is, is one of them the cart and one's the horse, you know, getting intentional and thinking about your own thoughts or, or, or your emotions or are they things you can kind of do at the same time? I, I mean, I would say that they're things that you could kind of do together. Um, so, you know, like the first thing that I was that I often start with with clients is just just differentiating between thoughts and feelings because we always will say oh I feel like and then we'll say a thought like I feel like there's no time I don't have enough time and it's like okay well wait a second that's not actually a feeling that's a thought you think you don't have enough time so then when you have that thought what is the feeling maybe anxious stressed mad, bitter, resentful, whatever. Um, but then it's like, okay, but we even have to back up a step further and look at what is the actual like reality? What is the, what I would call the circumstance, the, the situation that is just truth. It is like, you know, it's just fact and what, how you interpret it may be very different than what is the actual neutral circumstance. So let's say the neutral circumstance is you have five hours a day to get your work done because your kids are out of school. You know, your kids are out of the house and at school for five hours a day. So that's just neutral. Like that's not good. That's not bad. It's just fact. And then it's like, okay, what is the thought then? Then the thought is I don't have enough time. So now we need to look at, okay, if that's what you're truly thinking, now let's actually look at those five hours and figure out what do you have, what do you have to get done? Is it more than five hours worth of, of activities? So then we have to make some choices. Are you going to delegate something? Are you going to do something quicker? Can you eliminate some things from your list and figuring out tactical strategies? But if you aren't actually starting with the, the feelings and the thoughts or the thoughts and the feelings, and they, you, they could come in either order, um, you're going to be really limited, in my opinion, with your outcomes and your success. So I'm, I'm experiencing a feeling right now and there's, <laughs> <laughs> tell me about it, Brian. It, it's probably feel? directly related to the fact that I was the late comer to, uh, to our podcast <laughs> recording today. <laughs> now, now that we're on the topic of time management, I, I feel especially guilty. And you know, if I'm, if I'm not talking as much as John is, it could be because I'm practicing some avoidance, uh, of trying to, <laughs> allow that feeling to dominate me right now. <laughs> no, I, I, I really appreciate the approach that you're taking. It, it feels very holistic the way that you've described it in terms of uh, you're, you're identifying root cause, <laughs> right? For, for what the, uh, the pattern of behavior is that follows. Is, is that accurate? I would say that's accurate. And I should add, I would like to add that I'm not like, this is more of a newfound area of interest of mine in terms of like really being like clear and aware of these different feelings and thoughts that are running through my head. Um, Because what I always would think is this thought was like, I don't have time for 
feelings. Like I don't have time to be upset about that. I don't have time to be angry. I don't have time to think about that. I have to go, right? Like I have to do this. I have to do that. But what I was finding was like the actual, those thoughts weren't going away. They were there, like just kind of floating through my brain. And it wasn't until I could actually acknowledge them. And, you know, then it was like, okay, now that I've acknowledged the thought and I've acknowledged what the feeling is, I can work through it so much faster. Um, so it's, it's been an interesting process for me and figuring out and kind of seeing the connections between time and how I spend my time based on how I'm feeling. And I think that probably relates back to, or was probably talking about that a bit on the procrastination episode that you were talking about, John, because, you know, it really does drive how we spend our time. If you're feeling lousy, a lot of times you're just kind of like, moping around, you're not getting anything done, you're falling behind, and it just becomes the cycle. Mm-hmm. So I guess what I'm hearing you say is that repressing all my feelings and emotions is not an effective time management yeah. strategy. I would I would say no that is accurate. I, would, yeah. I, was just, I was just thinking right. of the phrase, too bad, so sad, move on. You know, it sounds yeah. like that's just yeah. another manifestation uh, of avoidance. <laughs> yeah. Is there, yeah. Is there a so is there a flip side to that though, that it's a time and a strategy of that maybe you've experienced or thought through about not dwelling. So it's important to, it sounds like it's important to recognize and okay, I feel this way. That feeling led to this thought, test that assumption. Um, how might you think about not spiraling as somebody might call it or just spending time in that not so happy place or whatever it might be? That is a really good question. I feel like I don't have a really good answer to that, but here's what I do oftentimes. I use whiskey. I don't know if that's <laughs> I use effective wine. or not. But that's that real just, effective. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> both, are, both are great, right? So I will um, – sometimes I'll be like, okay, you have until this amount of time to, to – you can mm. feel – Shitty. Am I allowed to curse on this podcast? Yeah, you can yeah. say whatever you want. Apparently. You can- <laughs> you are now, yeah. I'm like, you can feel yeah. shitty for, I'm going to give myself, you know, for the rest of the day, I'm going to give myself an hour, whatever it is, depending upon the situation. But once, once I hit that point, it's like, okay, now you need to, you know, pick yourself up and figure things out because you can't just feel this way all day long. It's, you know, you're not going to get anywhere. Um, so sometimes I'll be like, okay, I just need to, you know, allow myself this time to feel lousy and then work through it. Um, but you know, I think it depends on the situation, depends on like what exactly is going on in your life and what's making you feel certain ways. But I have found that if you, you know, if you change your thought about, you change your perspective, you change the thought, you change what you're saying to yourself, it can help you change your feelings. So, you know, I'll allow myself to indulge for a little bit and then it's like, move on, change your thought and go. I like that. Yeah. We talked in a previous episode, I think it was just the three of us, uh, Nick and Brian about this idea of responsibility being as humans, the ability to respond. So, you know, being thoughtful about our thoughts and we talked about meditation and some other strategies in some past episodes. Um, so I think that ties in nicely. It's, you're not always going to have a cut and dried. Okay. I'm going to let myself be sad for five minutes, but you can put five minutes on a timer and say, okay, I'm going to actually devote this time to, to dealing with these thoughts or emotions or feelings or whatever they might be. Um, and after that, I might still not be over it, but I'm at least going to give myself a, a catalyst for action after that. So, exactly. Yeah, that's kind of an yeah. agile approach, right? It's like, it's like time mm-hmm. boxing. 
Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it is like a Kanban of emotions. So I'm going to move this post it. <laughs> Wait, did we just create a new product to sell, John? <laughs> I think we did. <laughs> this is all proprietary. <laughs> that's great. So Teresa, that, that's great. Um, and, and we're talking about all this, but like, if I'm an overwhelmed entrepreneur or leader, like where, where do I start with this? Like I've, I've noticed a feeling that I feel I'm overwhelmed. Um, I realize I need some type of time management. Where, where do I start? Do I look at my emails? Um, that's it, a key thing that a lot of people get a ton of. And we were talking about that before you got on about getting the inbox zero, but, um, when you work with a new client, where, where do you kind of direct them to start after, you know, you, you've noticed the feelings and acknowledged that? I think it depends on the client and if they haven't hired a coach i'd say you start by hiring a coach and really look at to someone who can really look at that with you and figure out what specifically are you know the challenges that you're facing um but i think the question that i often ask and i have clients ask that would apply to any client any person any entrepreneur is is, is what I'm doing moving the needle. So is, you know, getting to inbox zero is not probably not moving the needle, right? Unless like you're getting paid to have an inbox of zero, or that's going to help you move up in the world in some way. That's probably what I would call productive procrastination, where you're just kind of, you're buffering, you're getting in there and, and you think you're being productive, but you're just being busy. So helping people to understand the difference between being productive and being busy and what I often, you know, the way I often phrase that with moms especially is, is this a good use of my time? Um, and good means different things to different people, right? And so it's just kind of evaluating what are your goals? What is it that you are working on? What do you want to see happen in the next three, six months, nine months, year, three years? And are the actions that you're taking in alignment with those goals? Because if they're not, then those are the things you need to either stop doing or change how often you're doing it and how long you're doing it and so on and so forth. So I want to... I told you there'd be no surprises, but I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you under the bus a little bit, Teresa. I have a question. You can settle a, a dispute for for me, Brian, and Nick. Not a dispute, but we had a long podcast about efficiency versus effectiveness, and I think the podcast was neither efficient nor effective by the end of it because we went back and forth so many times. But what are your thoughts on the difference between efficiency and effectiveness? Because that came to my mind when you said, "Is this the best use of my time, or is this productive procrastination?" my perspective was you can very efficiently run in the complete wrong direction. Right. So um, there's a little bit of a semantic difference and all that, but, but uh, any thoughts on efficiency versus effectiveness? I guess in my mind, for whatever this is worth, I think of efficiency. I think of efficiency as fast. It's quick. You get in, you get out, you do something quickly versus effectiveness is something that moves the needle. It's something that actually winds up, with it's productive it winds up um you know having a result it it creates a result and you could be very efficient and do something very very quickly but it could have very little effect on whatever it is that you are doing in life whatever it is that you're working on that's kind of how i see the difference between those two things 
what did you I'm guys come up with? I've had you on that episode. The, like right there. That's there you go. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we'll, we'll replace our episode. Say, we should <laughs> comment. <laughs> we should have had you on that episode. I think we could have made it much more efficient and effective. <laughs> but always a good conversation. I, I like that one. So I thought what would be an interesting thing because I'm a I'm a communications professional in my day job. Um, I'm curious, Teresa, being a speech language pathologist or speech pathologist, that is that is there a correct way of saying either of those? Or are they both? Yeah, more either is thing? fine. Yep. Uh, okay. Um, as the communicator, just throw some random crap out there. But uh, so, is there a tie-in? I I like to think from what I know of that profession, there it is obviously a lot about communication and being able to speak proficiently and, and all that. So is there a tie in between communication and being effective or intentional with your time? Hmm. Is there a tie between being between communication and being effective with your time? <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm thinking of my husband who just, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I think the speech therapist in me would say like everything is communication, right? And I'm just kind of like thinking out loud now, talking out loud, thinking out loud. I'm a verbal processor. So sorry for all your podcast listeners, but um, I think that communication is is really, it's connecting with other people and it's it's expressing ideas. So in terms of how that relates to, was it time management? Is that what you were thinking? Yeah, I was, I was guess what I was getting at the crux of my question, because I didn't communicate it very well, uh, is, you know, was there, was there kind of a natural tie in between your work in as a speech pathologist and this newfound, in, you know, endeavor that you're going on to help people save time and be more effective? Yeah, I think there's a few ties, uh, which I wasn't necessarily aware of until now, like I'm on the other side of it and can kind of look back and see how these things, these paths sort of collided. I think as a speech pathologist, when you go to school, we do a lot of probably other people probably don't realize this, but we do a lot of learning on executive functioning skills and, um, you know, really look at the different components of the brain and how the brain relates to how you go through your day-to-day routines, how you, get, you know, get from point A to, to point B, decision-making skills, problem-solving skills, time management skills, starting a task and, you know, task initiation, um, sustained attention, divided attention, like those, all those sorts of skills, which we don't really think of under the realm of communication, but it does fall under the scope of practice of the speech language pathologist. So that part I think is very interesting to me because I've seen it, you know, through the lens of an, of a speech pathologist. And now I see it more through the lens of just, you know, being in time management and helping adults make decisions about how they spend their time. I also think too, a lot of what I did so I worked with the deaf and hard of hearing population, which isn't doesn't exactly correlate to time management, but I worked very closely with families, with parents. So parents were always in sessions with me and I would give them strategies of how to build their child's language at home. But parents are busy. You all know, right? You're all parents. And so for parents to try and carry out these language strategies in the home when they're also shuttling their kids to this, that, and the other sport and getting everyone's homework done and running a household and doing all the other things that parents do is really hard. And it takes some time management skills, right? So 
I always was interested in helping families try to figure out how they could integrate these strategies into their daily routines without adding too much time. So I think there's a lot of, of carryover there as well. And then the third piece that just was sort of interesting to me as a business owner, not necessarily being a speech pathologist, but owning a business. And when you start a business, you learn a whole lot of things very, very quickly, sometimes the hard way, usually the hard way. Um, But you also have to learn a lot about time management because you're working in the business and you're working on the business in many cases. So I was really interested in kind of just small business development and how you manage your time as a business owner. Um, so it, it has sort of wound up that many of the, the clients that I coach now are other speech pathologists who own a private practice. So it's, an, it's a nice way for me to sort of still be in the field, so to speak, and with the same people who have similar interests of speech and language development, but to help them manage their time so that they can then build their practice, help more kids or more individuals with speech and language therapy, so on and so forth. Great. That's interesting. Yeah, it's really fascinating. I like that yeah. point you... Okay, go ahead, Brian. No, Sorry, no ahead. take it, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I like the point you, you brought up about working uh, on the business and in the business. And I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we can get stuck on uh, trying to do everything, right? Um, you know, like like we got to do certain stuff to keep, the, you know, to keep us marketed. So I'm going to do all the marketing. Uh, I got to do all this stuff for accounting. So I got to be the accountant too, right? And you feel like you have to do everything internally from like an operational standpoint and forget that you need to still work on your business itself. And you kind of go from, uh, you know, you owning your own business to, to a business owning you. Uh, so, so how do you reframe that, that mindset to get people to realize that maybe they should start delegating stuff that you don't need to know how to do every single thing? Yeah, I think um, it's such a good point. And I think a lot of, of us business owners tend to be micromanagers. Many of us tend to be micromanagers what? or we just think it's... Out- <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. How, that's, that's how are you accurate. feeling now, Brian? Tell me about your feelings. So, so I think that, um, you know, it's like a, it's our thing and we have this vision and only we can do it the way we want it done and, and all of that. So... There's a lot of different avenues that you could go in, in terms of trying to tackle that. I think the first thing is just from a a number standpoint, like I talked to my, to, with coaching, with my coaching clients, and we look at time as a budget and, you know, many people, many business owners, owners are very familiar with the concept of a budget and thinking about your time as a budget. And you only have this number of hours, right? You only have these many hours a day, a week, whatever, to get things done. So what is the cost? What is that activity, the accounting, the bookkeeping, the marketing, whatever? How much time is it costing you? How much energy is it costing you? How much, you know, mental energy, the, the you know, just the, the draining you know, that draining feeling of trying to take on some things that you aren't really skilled at. Um, And so making a decision from a numbers standpoint can sometimes be one of the easiest ways to make that decision. Okay, bookkeeping takes me three hours a week to do this because this is not what I'm good at. And I could offload this to somebody else who could do it in less time while I could be making money by serving clients. So you've saved yourself time and you've made some income. 
So thinking about it that way is sometimes a really logical way to help people figure out what they can and can't delegate. And I think also just starting small, like figuring out what is the thing you absolutely like really don't like doing that would make you feel so much uh, lighter, so much relief if you let go of it. That's Start with list. that one small thing. <laughs> yeah, there's a long list, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Pick one. So pick one, Brian. Pick right, one. right. Start small. I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. And then just, just start there. And I think once you kind of release that control and you realize like the world doesn't stop turning, everything's okay. Um, it can be so liberating. It really can. I hire, I finally hired a bookkeeper. I think it was in 2020, maybe 2020. And I mean, oh, that was the best decision I ever made. I will never go back. Even if she takes more of my money than I make, it's probably not a very good financial decision, but just, it is just, oh, it's so freeing. You know, part of what you're That's touching when you on. hope your your bookkeeper would tell you that, hey, you know, this this uh, this spend item's getting high. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can't afford this. You can't afford. That's right. This. Yeah. That's right. Actually, I've got some more tasks for you to undertake again. <laughs> uh, you know, Teresa, a lot of what you're talking about is what we often, uh, you know, bring up in our our podcast on leadership, uh, self awareness being, you know, one of those foundational elements. So um, I really appreciate that you keep kind of returning to that same theme, that there there has to be an identification of self-awareness. Um, you know, sort of a simplistic example, but I think of Robert Kiyosaki, who wrote uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? He's famous for that book. He also wrote another book called The Cash Flow Quadrant. And in that, he talks about these four distinctive personality types. There's the employee personality type, the investor, the self-employed, and the business owner. Right. So kind of what Nick touched on there is what falls into that self-employed category, right? Where you feel like you might use phrases such as uh, it only gets done correctly if I do it. <laughs> right. And so to me, it's it's almost as if, you know, that's sort of the first step in, in the, the technique that you're describing is really having the self-awareness of, you know, how do I identify myself? It doesn't have to you know, correlate to the, the cash flow quadrant I just described, but how, you know, what is my personality type? Where, where do I feel most comfortable kind of as a starting point to then get to what you're describing where you have some real genuine and honest self-awareness in addressing, you know, those thoughts and feelings. Do you find that to be true? Yeah, I agree. And I think that's why coaching is so um, effective is because it really looks at each individual. And the idea with coaching, as you probably know, is that the answer, you have the answers, the answers are within you, it's figuring them out. So that's why, you know, there's just such a difference between being a consultant and being a coach. And it's not that one is better than the other. It's just there are different benefits and different needs for each of those roles. And I think when it comes to coaching, a lot of what we do is figuring out how do you operate best? How do you think? What are your strengths, right? Strengths-based coaching. What are your strengths? What are your needs? And how do you process information? You know, thinking about all those things. And it just, I, I work with a coach and, you know, as I, of course, have coaching clients and it's just such an effective way to really get much more, become much more aware of yourself and make decisions through that lens. 
Yeah, I would agree. And I think uh, I was just, a thought came to mind of, of I'm also going through a coaching certification course and getting some continuing education, all that stuff right now. And one, one thing that one of the instructors always says is you can't coach what your client won't say. And if they won't say it, they're not aware of it. Right. So I think that's a really excellent way of, you know, kind of returning to that baseline every time is, is, is there a self-awareness here? Um, and one of the thought I had while you were talking earlier, Teresa, about the budgeting piece, I really, there's that old age old saying, you know, we can't manage time. We can only manage ourselves within time. And, and I think there's probably some truth to that, you know, as, as alluded to by the, the self-awareness piece. But um, I think your idea of looking at it as a budget actually kind of turns that on that on its head a little bit. And um, something I heard you say in one of your podcast episodes, I don't recall which one, but um, you said something to the effect of if you don't tell your time where you, where to go, you're going to find yourself wondering where it went. So I think that was such a great way of tying in that this is a budget. You need to plan for these things, you know, turn them into numbers, turn them into dollars, whatever you need to do to allocate those things appropriately. Um, does any of that resonate with, with how you're going about this or? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, when I became a mom, that's really when I became especially aware of that. Um, the time, my concept of time totally changed when I was a parent, when I became a parent. And I just felt like, you know, there could be days, we've all had that, right? Where days go by, the day ends and you're like, what did I get done today? And um, sometimes you're just in survival mode that you can't even, you can't even take the steps. You, you think that you can't even take the steps that you need to, to be very intentional about your time and to make a plan and figure out what you want to do. And I also think too, sometimes when I talk about budgeting time and, you know, making a schedule or a calendar, sometimes people get a, a little bit, you know, that makes them feel a little bit nervous. There's some resistance there. And okay, that's, you know, that's fine. But I sometimes like to push back on that a little bit because what I have found is that for even with people who feel like, you know, a, a calendar is not for me, I can't operate off of a calendar. I like to just kind of do whatever I, you know, whatever I want, whenever, whatever I feel like it and whenever I can. But what I have learned time and time again, no pun intended, is with clients when they actually have a plan. It is so liberating. It allows you that freedom. It allows you time for spontaneity. It allows you to be able to be in the moment because you've budgeted the time for the things that have to get done and you're getting things done quicker. You're more efficient. You're more productive. And so now you have free time where you didn't have that free time before. Now you do. So it, it actually gives you a little bit more of that freedom. It seems counterintuitive, but. Does this mean I should feel better about my Outlook calendar? I think you should. I mean, we could take a look at it together, Brian, but I think you probably should. <laughs> Thank you. For uh, that. The, that's a great point. That reminds me of um, you know one of the most effective leaders I've ever worked for. And I may have told this story in the podcast in the past, but I was actually his executive assistant. Like 80% of my job was managing his calendar and he almost didn't give me access to it. And I was like, what? He's like, you give somebody else access to your calendar and your calendar starts running you instead of you running it. And I was like, well, I have to do my job, sir. So, but anyway, we worked that out. But the point where I, that I always took that with me, it sounds like this is a little bit of what you're getting at, Teresa, is, you know, manage, these are tools, you know, manage your calendar, manage the tool. Don't let it manage you, it, you know, work for it to, to next point earlier. Don't, or it should work for you rather than you working for it. Um, so when you have, 
you know, a client with some of that resistance to getting into a calendar, how do you start changing that mindset? Or is that even, is that even kind of where the resistance comes from? You think they see it as this binding thing as opposed to a liberating thing? They might. I do have a client right now who I work with who, you know, he's mentioned several times that he, you know, that he might want to hire a scheduler. And he's very resistant to it because he doesn't want someone else to be in control of his calendar and making these decisions. And fair enough. I mean, I get it, right? Going back to like the different personalities and, and things like that, I totally understand. But, um, you know, what I, what I pointed out to him was, did you notice? I don't know if you've noticed, but in every session we've had, there's been at least one moment where you've said, oh, I didn't realize this person, they, they rescheduled. And I I thought that they were supposed to be on Wednesday, but I've got them on my calendar for today. And I'm not really sure I'm going to have to email them and figure that out. And I'm like, okay, I don't think your scheduler would make that mistake. (laughs) Are you sure you don't need a scheduler? So really trying to figure out like, what is the cost and, and, you know, maybe just try it and see how it works. Like a lot of it, a lot of coaching is just what, what I would call experiment. It's an experiment. It's like, we don't know if it's going to work for you or if this isn't going to work for you, but we try it and then we figure it out. You know, we see, we, you just, you do it and then you reevaluate, you see how did it go? What went well? What didn't go well? What can we do different? And, you know, there's like, there's no, there's really very little harm in trying, you know, always asking that question, what's the worst that could happen? And then, and then you figure it out, but you won't know until you try it. So what you're saying is Brian should probably get a scheduler. It sounds like he sure should. Yeah. You know, here's here's the here's the problem with that, John. I, I can tell you uh, right. Is that I already know, have a job? <laughs> and oh no. <laughs> I I already have a feeling associated with that. See, if I get a scheduler, then uh, it might expose where I'm actually wasting time, and then um, I might have to follow a path of you know corrective behavior. So. Uh, that could be the first real point of resistance in that level of self-awareness. Well played. Well played. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Well, but Brian, I you think, know, you're a you tech know, guy. You can just use, you know, automation override. tools like Calendly or something. Yeah. yeah. Just, just, you know, just like, yeah. Um, unfortunately, I also <laughs> yeah, work in sales with clients and sometimes they dictate my life. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think, you know, you use the word dictate. And I think like the, for many of us, I think that we are in there is much more um, that we can control when it comes to our time than what we can't control actually. But we have this perception that we have this perspective that, um, you know, I don't have enough, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough, you know, I, I have to do this and I have to do that. And, and it's like, well, wait a second, you actually do get to decide what things go on your calendar, what things don't. Now, if you're an employee, there's some limitations here to my theory, right? I mean, you might then not have a job and, you know, might not have an income. So we could talk about that. But, you know, in general, especially for the people I work with, especially for moms and for entrepreneurs, they are very much in charge of what they, how they get to spend their time. So the one of the first things we work on is understanding that, you know, you are in control. You do have a choice is this a good use of your time? Is this in alignment with your values? Is this in alignment with your goals? And helping them to make, you know, more, take more ownership over that and deciding what they want to spend their time on and what they don't want to spend their time on. Um, Because, you know, 
there are only so many hours in a day. And so you do really need to make some thoughtful, informed decisions that are going to work well for you. Because the if you don't, you're going to be like so many people, burnout, overwhelmed, stressed, exhausted. And, you know, life is just too short to, to live like that. Indeed. I think you forgot to mention shamed. He's very in touch with his feelings today. You came. (laughs) You came to play. I think if Brian wasn't in Colorado, I'd be offering the hug right now. It seems like he needs a virtual hug. There we go. That's great. No, I, th- I think I'm pretty quickly yes. moving from a position of feeling shamed to to feeling proud. You know, this is uh, this has been a great conversation. Proud to have it as mm-hmm. as part of our uh, program. Exactly, and true. I just just one thing: if our listeners are looking for you um, or your podcast or anything else, where where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on my website, thetimetamers.com. And I am on Instagram. I'm, I'm probably like you, John. I'm like very non, I'm not very active there, but um, it is the underscore time underscore tamers. And then I have my uh, time tamers podcast, which is available on any podcast platform. That's great. Thank you. We'll be sure for our listeners. We'll, we'll put it in the description below on the YouTube video. And if you're listening to this, um, you should be able to find it in the show notes. So we'll, all there so that people can find you. Awesome. Thank you for having me on. This is great. Thanks for joining us.